Happy Wednesday. Um, actually, my husband had me really confused just a little bit ago. He's like, um, it's Friday, right? And for a second, I was like, is it? <laughs> like, super confused. Wishful thinking, John. I know. I was like, <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> it's it's Wednesday. It is Wednesday, and happy Wednesday to you um, from wherever it is that you are joining us from. We're glad that that you're with us, and um, whatever time you hop on to to catch up. Um, today we are talking about who are we? Who are we? Are we commoners? Or are we the offspring, the heirs of the King of Kings? We need to make a decision on this because we need to make a shift. We we have, an, in fact, and I'm just going to say it like this. I was in a prayer meeting the other day and in the middle of it, God just straight up said, I want you to repent for the sin of living as commoners. And I was like, What? I want you to repent for the sin of living as commoners. And I was like, oh my gosh, like in that moment, realizing, you know, the, the, the way of the church right now is to live as commoners that, that we have settled for um, the tail and not the head, if you will. And, and it's certainly not what we're called to be. And in in First Peter two, we're told exactly who we are. We are kings. We are priests, and we are a peculiar people. And can I just add that this isn't talking about homeschool weird? <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Thanks. <laughs> Not strange. <clears throat> Not purposely odd, <laughs> peculiar. We are to be a people that no matter where we're at, we cause a head tilt moment of drawing eyes upward. We should, we should carry the essence of the lamb with us. And wherever he is, he's lifted high. And it should draw man's eyes upward. That's who we are. And that, for me, is the definition of not living as commoners. And if you can want to enter into a fantasy world and, and think of it in terms of kingdom, then, um, and, and, you know, if you're a little girl, you've done this. Maybe little boys do that too. I don't know, Vince, you tell me. But um, you live in that fantasy world when you're little of like, mm, I'm a princess kind of thing. And I kid you not, not one child would imagine themselves outside the gates of the actual habitat of the king because they children know where they belong. But once for whatever reason, we become adults and then we arrive. Suddenly we're outside those, those, those walls living in common spaces and considering, considering ourselves as just common. I'm just, I'm just a common person. And that's errant. That's not who we are. Number one, we don't graduate from sonship. 
we should always be the ones that are pushing our way in closer to the king of kings. And, and when we do go out in the common spaces, he should be so heavy on you that you cause heads to turn. And I know that you have all kinds of rabbit trails for us to run down this morning. So I'm just going to toss it over to you, Vince, and tell us what it is that God is revealing. Well, speaking to your, your question of imagination as a child, uh, I, as an only child, I had to have a, a, a big imagination because <laughs> I didn't have siblings. But um in terms of the the imagination of royalty, I don't think that was something I ever, ever, you know, it was more like, like Rambo or something like sure. that. You know? Of course it was. The, you know, the, the, the hero, whatever. Uh, the knight. <laughs> in different, uh, but this, this commoner thinking you're talking about, it just wrapped up in false humility. And it's just not something we can have. So in, in reading the post and starting to, uh, the social media post and starting to think about what it is uh, God's saying to me, it, I just felt him bombarding me with questions. And it was really about our belief or rather our unbelief about what it is that he says and what it is that uh, he's doing. You know, we want to believe certain parts of, the, of scripture, but we don't want to believe others. We want to say that, yes, Jesus came. Yes, he, he's God's only son. He died for us. Uh, but the other things where he starts calling us his children as well, and everything that comes along with being a son or daughter of the king, we don't necessarily want to to believe or or we pay lip service to it. And, and we'll, we'll say that we believe, but there's no actual faith in action that backs that up. So. Mm -hmm. I felt all these questions just being thrown at me and, and they were really rapid fire. And it was, do you believe that you're my child? Do you believe that I filled you to the brim with my purposes and intentions? Do you believe that you are not a commoner that is left wanting, only able to wish and hope? Do you believe that you have been provided royal robes and priestly garments? Do you believe that you have been given dominion to stand upon and, and, that's a lot of questions, but if you're going to step into your rightful place, we have to address uh, the issues of unbelief. There are so many things that cause us to be unbelieving, and, and we are tolerating those voices and, and not taking them captive. And we know 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's not something that's happened in the past. It's not something that's going to happen in the future. It says we are currently destroyed. Right. That is that is in the present tense. And so we have to keep that in mind. We have to be able to take these things that cause us to be in unbelief and take them captive and uh, make them obedient to Christ and just pull these thoughts in. And so these voices give thoughts and, and ideas and present half-truths that are, are meant to elicit these divisive questions. And, and, and the question I had in response to that is, what are we doing about it? Right. And, and, and that has to be something that we look at. Because honestly, I, I personally don't want to look at, at these problems because uh, 
I feel like over and over again, I'm just beating on people. And I feel like it, it takes, it, it can take focus off of Jesus. Uh, however, uh, if I don't look, I lose context of what God's doing right now and where he's leading and what he is saying. And, and it really becomes a mess when we choose to bury our heads in the sand uh, as our piece of the partnership. Uh, taking action doesn't mean uh, pretending to hide, uh, which is exactly what's happening when you're burying your head in the sand. You're, you're pretending to hide. And so we can look at uh, Luke 24, 25 through 26. And it says, and he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. What was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Uh, our unbelief, it's a heart issue uh, that uh, we're dealing with. Uh, Matthew 15, 17 through 19 says, do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, slanders. Also out of the heart comes all the good things that you're, you're feeding yourself with. And bear with me here. This is, this is all going somewhere. This is, a, this is a journey we're on this morning to, to look at all these questions and then look at scripture to pull us into believing everything that he says about us. Uh, Hebrews 3, 12 through, 19, uh, 12 through 19 says, and this is a long one, so bear with me. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And that's my favorite little play on words is by the time it's tomorrow, it's today. So it's always today. Uh, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those, <coughs> excuse me, who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Uh, unbelief, this is, this is an issue of the heart that causes us to be bullied and, and victimized by the enemy uh, until we reach a point of irrelevance on the field of battle. And we are deceived into thinking we've reached a point of victory because there is a cessation in the fighting. And that that's a devious trick in itself. Hmm. Uh, or you simply uh, can go back to, to sticking your head in the dirt and the enemy will, they'll, they'll leave you alone uh, only long enough to laugh uh, because it's amusing to pretend to hide and then they're going to poke you with a, a stick for their amusement. And it sounds harsh or, or even cruel, but uh, can you tell me it isn't true? Uh, tell me this doesn't actually happen when you try to stick your head in, in the sand and pretend. Yeah. Uh, and if you're going to be honest with yourself, you either believe God in everything he says, or you believe nothing. Right. He isn't going to, to tell you the truth in one moment. 
and lie in the very next. It just Mm -hmm. isn't going to happen. And so looking at at that first question, are we sons and daughters? Uh, I looked at uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18. It says, or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And this is is pulling from Old Testament scripture, and so I want to pull those out too. Exodus 29.45 says, I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will be their God. Leviticus 26, 12 says, I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. Jeremiah 31, 1 says, and that at that time declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Ezekiel 37, 27, my dwelling place also will be with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And you can go on. There's there's a number of other places you can go in and you can pull these things out. Uh, and then the next that next question, uh, filled to the brim with God's purposes and intentions. Do we believe that that is true? Right. Well, Psalm one thirty eight eight says, "The Lord will fulfill His purpose in for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands." I have to believe that if it says the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me, that, that I am filled with his purpose and intentions. That's, that, that's the logical uh, conclusion that you can make there. You don't have to make any leaps for that one. Jeremiah 32, 18 through 19 says, Great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord Almighty, great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. So I, I'm filled with... Uh, his purposes and intentions, and great are those. Not a commoner. Right. If if great are his purposes. Job 42, 2 says, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. So now I can't even be thwarted because I'm full of his purpose and intentions. 1921 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So his purposes are going to prevail. Uh, and, and that's just something we need to start believing. We need to start taking hold of the, all these things and saying, I can stand on this. I can believe that, yes, I am full of his purpose. I am full of his intentions. And this next one, uh, you are not commoners wishing and hoping, hoping. Put on your royal robes because you are royal. Put on your priestly garments because you are people set apart and stand upon the dominion given you. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 12. Uh, this is this is a, another one of those. It's kind of long, but we're going to start. We're going to pull this one out and then look at where Old Testament feeds into this. It says, And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are built up, built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood 
to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this becomes the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. Excuse me. They are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against your soul. Hmm. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. There is, there's a lot to unpack in there, but uh, to, to stay on topic of, of the, the questions here, a chosen race, uh, uh, Deuteronomy 10.15 says, Yet on your fathers did the Lord set his affection to love them, And he chose their descendants after them, even you above all peoples, as it is this day. A royal priesthood, Isaiah 61, 6 says, but you will be called the priests of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of nations and their riches you will boast. Revelation 1, 5 through 6 says to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. Speaking to a holy nation, Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 9 says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, the Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples. For you were the fewest of all the peoples, but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with Mm. those who love him and keep his commandments. And we can just see this with Jesus bringing us out of the house of slavery into full freedom. Full freedom. Uh, the next part uh, of, of that scripture from First uh, Peter is uh, a, a people of God's own possession. Exodus 19, 5 through 6 says, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, and you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Mm. Deuteronomy 420. 
but the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people for his own possession as today. I love brought you out of the iron furnace because how many times has he's delivered out of the furnace, out of the Mm. fire? Mm. Deuteronomy 14.2 says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And I love this one. Titus 2, 2, 11 through 15 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Mm. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. And yes, I understand this is a, a letter Paul was writing to Titus. However, we can take hold of not being a commoner. Commoners are disregarded. Let no one disregard you. So with with all of this scriptural reference, will you believe? Over and over, God is saying he will in fact uphold what he says and that his word will not return empty. Jesus, his very son, came and fulfilled the old covenant and ushered us into a new covenant where we start as new creatures. And Again, I'll give you the questions uh, that I heard up front from God. Do you believe that you are my child? Do you believe that I filled you to the brim with my purpose and intentions? Do you believe that you are not a commoner that is left wanting, only able to wish and hope? Do you believe that you have been provided royal robes and priestly garments? Do you believe that you have been given dominion to stand? I hope that my my sincere hope is that as we just went through all of that very quickly, that you're able to to pull out a level of belief. Because if we are going to get out of that headspace of commoners, we have to believe everything God's telling us. Right. Uh, uh, Whether it's through a a prophetic word or whether it's through uh, what we're reading in scripture, we have to understand that we are his sons and his daughters. And with that comes uh, an inheritance. With that comes uh, uh, a responsibility, a royalty, a priesthood. And we need to lay hold of that. We need to actually believe what it is he's telling us. Yeah. Yeah. My gosh. That was like a full buffet. It just is, uh, that's so so good, and I love the questions that that he's asking right now. And and we need to we need to make some decisions because we cannot stay here. We cannot stay here playing with the affections of God. And we're either in or we're out, and and we need to choose which which we want. And we just we just can't have it both ways. And I realize the discomfort 
that is on the thing that is not familiar to us. And that is the going all in. That is believing fully that he is our father, that, that we originate in him and, and that he has our best in mind. And, and I love the scripture that you read that, that says that everything in the earth is his. Right? Can we start there? Like, do we even believe that? Like when you're outside and, and you're surrounded by creation, are you even capable of making an agreement there? Like looking around and, and seeing his fingerprints on everything. That that the whole of creation is his. The whole of the world is his and everything there is. It's all his. It's all his. And so the reality is that, that you know, you are part of the contents of the earth. And so you are his. How you experience that is going to depend on what you believe. You can either um, continue to live outside of the the castle gates, if you will, <laughs> as, as a mere commoner, as a beggar, probably. And, um, and, and, you know, being tossed in those those waves of of um frustration and confusion and discouragement or you can rush the castle right like mm -hmm. <laughs> it's where it's where we belong and um and that's that's where where all is found we we will want for nothing when we finally settle this issue and stand as sons and daughters. And, wow. and here's the deal is, you know, this, this looks like something. We cannot continue to do things in our own way. We just can't. We cannot continue to do things in our own way. Yeah. He's looking for vessels to possess. Exactly. Is that going to be you? Sorry, there's a phone call. I heard. <laughs> there's a phone call in the background about trees. <laughs> Oh, that's a good. That's a good we phone need, call. We need that one. Yeah. Um, excuse, excuse the background noise, but um, for instance, months ago, God said to me, "I require that you dress the way that I ask you to dress." He didn't change his mind on that just because my assignment shifted. He hasn't changed his mind. He has never once come to me and said, okay, please change the way that you're dressing now because I have pulled you out of that. That's That, that didn't happen. <clears throat> and so are we willing to go all the way in this? Are we willing to take on the image that he has in mind concerning us? It's for a reason. All of these little tiny things that, that he's asking of us, it requires the strength of obedience. Are we willing to step into that fully and, and do the things that he asks of, of us with precision, without wavering in it? Are we willing to do the, the little things that he's asking of us that pulls us out of the land of the commoners and into the 
it's the atmosphere of royalty. Can't you feel that? I mean, there is an atmosphere of royalty that is available to us. So I think of really great starting places to be brave enough to say, what is it that you've said about me that I am refusing to believe? And that is your point of repentance, where you turn and say, God, I've stumbled in this. I have fallen in this. I have shirked my responsibility as your son, your daughter. And I want what you want. We have to make agreement with God to want what he wants. He is looking for a people who will be both kings and priests, a people who will be peculiar, a people who will take on his identity, a people who will be possessed by his spirit. But we have got to get obedience down. Jump in. I love that point of repentance uh, because it is it is something we have to take very seriously. It ha- has to be that thing where it's, we, we say, no, a- answering that question, what am I not believing? And and really driving that home. And, and you mentioned the discomfort of going all in. I think there is a real uh, a, a real thing to poke at there because it is discomfort. It is just uncomfortable, excuse me, uncomfortable for us to try and go all in because for far too long, what's been comfortable is compromise. Yeah. And and when compromise is what's comfortable, holiness is not going to be something that, that's easy to move into because it is going to just grate at every part of us when compromise is what we're clinging to. If compromise is the thing you're holding tight to and you're tolerating this, that, or the other, or you've even gone so far as as adopting this whatever sin it is into your life and continually holding on to that, holiness is going to be just far, far more uncomfortable than we, we can even give language to. And so the discomfort of going all in is is something we have to address and and we have to repent of all these things that we have going on. Now, does repentance need to be the long protracted self-flagellation and... and Do not grovel. Yes. (laughs) That is not what is called for because you are not a commoner. Right. You get to just simply repent and, and change behavior and come up higher. That's it. That's that's what your repentance is all about. It's not about guilt. It's not about shame. It's about recognizing what has uh, been happening that is is not on the narrow path and not focused on Jesus. And it's a, a, a turning away from that, going in the opposite direction of whatever that thing is. And yeah. that's, that's the narrow path. And that's repentance. Just turn, change the behavior, come up higher. Yeah. It, it is, you guys, it's far simpler than, than the enemy wants you to believe. He loves it that you're stuck. He loves it that you are caught in, in indecision. And, um, and, and I think that the, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? 
Are you going to side with Jesus, who is the author of your very being? Or are you going to side with the one who is set to destroy you? I mean, it's it's that simple. It's And there is no middle ground. So you can just go ahead and dismiss that because there isn't. There is no middle ground. It's either in or it's out. It's either God or it's it, the enemy. What are we doing? What are we doing playing in the enemy's camp? You're, you're, you're a prisoner of war. You, you want to know where indecision is located? <laughs> it's in the enemy's camp. You have become a prisoner of war. And, and it, it's only by proximity with the Father that we are going to escape this space of indecision. It is only by the deposit of holiness that he longs, longs to release over his sons and daughters. We have got to take our devotion to the Father far more seriously than we do. When um, our oldest was like, you know, probably 18 months to two years, he was in the backseat of the car and he said to us, Mommy, Daddy, I want to be a policeman because I think that a a police car had just gone by with its sirens on. And, and my response to him was, well, you have to talk to Jesus about that. And he got really quiet. And within a minute, he blurts out, he said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Almost in astonishment. <laughs> like, he said, no, I think both John and I were like, What? Like, this kid can hear God <laughs> and quickly and quickly and 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 our only response to that was well then you can't be a policeman you know like that's out and but the thing is like are are we willing to enter in with that level of childlikeness where we're just asking God can I be, and we take him at his word, or when he's revealing, this is who you are, do you put it on immediately? I mean, if he had said yes to our two-year-old boy, yes, you can be a policeman. What would we do with that information? Would we dismiss it and take you know, away all of the the uh, police type toys that he might have, you know, that would begin to form his identity. No, we would run out and make sure he had all of that kind of thing to, to make sure that we were really forming him to be what it is that God wants him to be. Are we that serious with ourselves? And that's what I'm talking about is when God reveals your nature and who it is you are, are you taking him seriously and changing everything about who you are to align with what it is that he's calling you to be? It matters. 
It matters because by the time you catch up with the word over your life, the moment's going to pass you by. You won't be ready. Putting on the, the robes of righteousness looks like something. And, and for some of us, it may feel like make-believe. I don't care. Do it anyway. Put the thing on. What is it? What is the expectation that he has put on your life? Do your best to step into that. You, you've got to. You've got to be, become hungry for what it is that he has for you. And, and mostly it's just going to unfold by every moment you spend with him. Taking devotion seriously. I, I think that is, is something that we don't do. We look at discipleship as, as something we can do when it's convenient. We'll pray when it's convenient or when we're, we're wanting and hoping and mm-hmm. thinking commonly. Yeah. Uh, we'll read our Bibles when it's convenient, if if we have time. If I'll have time. If I have time. I feel like it. That. Yeah. I feel like it. Um, maybe, you know, I, I'm tired and it's going to be hard. So discipleship is just something I need to be devoted to. We have to look at what is marking us in our discipleship. Are we marked by holiness? Are we marked by obedience? Are we marked by uh, discipline? I, I, I think those that speaks to the very thing you're talking about when it comes to changing everything. Mm-hmm. When, when he said, says uh, who you are, how are you aligning with that? If you're not, and you're just like, oh, this is who I am. Yay, me. And just go on about living your days. Then uh, it is what it is. We got an angry face. We did. <laughs> I love it. I don't know why, but uh, uh, that's awesome. I have a feeling it's Anne-Marie. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, the, the level of devotion that we are putting into discipleship um, needs to needs an injection of action mm-hmm. into it right now. And, and it just goes back to the question that I had in all of the questions coming from God, what are we doing about this? What are right. we doing about it? Mm-hmm. And the, the only thing I can think of is to, is to just plow into holiness and, and, and yes. see what's exposed in our lives. What is it that God's saying? That's not, that's not holiness right there. So I don't want you to do that. Okay. I'm obedient to that. It's mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is holiness. You're not doing this. Let's, let's move in over here. Obedient. I'm there. Yeah. And, and, and in those times of correction where he's, he's wanting to extract something from my life, I'm going to take that discipline and be comforted by it because while it may sting short-term, long-term, it's out of love. He's got good things for me. He knows what's best for me. And I get to choose to be obedient to that. I get to choose to uh, look at my devotion and in the other way of discipline, um, regardless of how I feel 
uh, I'm going to have conversation with him, regardless of how tired I am. Right. Regardless of of maybe I have a, a habitual thing that I would prefer to do, like exactly. watch watch TV or scroll social media, whatever that thing is for you. Uh, devotion says, I, I'm going to come over here and, and lean into his holiness. Yeah. And, and we have to begin to thank him for the moments that we do break away. You know, like if you have a moment where you've been able to break out of your cycle of, of habitual behavior, yes. and, and again, we're not talking about sin issues here. We're talking mm-hmm. about the things that we routinely do. When you've had moments where you've been able to break out of that and you choose him over that thing, take the time at the end of your day to just begin to release gratitude. Like, God, I loved choosing you today. I loved being with you. I loved the way that I started my morning off with you and didn't look to anything else to entertain me. And I came to you first because you drew me there. And when we begin to release gratitude over those things, they begin to grow in us where maybe before it was very difficult for you to wake up early enough to spend that extra time with Jesus beforehand. But when you release gratitude, it starts breaking off all of those things that that held us captive to our habitual routine, right? Because what we have to remember, and and I'm going to say it over and over and over again, is that within our habitual routine, this is what's lulled us to sleep as the bride, right? There are demons on assignment over those things to keep you trapped, to keep you in this space where you cannot move, where you have to choose this thing over and over and over again. And and when we use gratitude, we begin to break those things off of ourselves because we chose him. We cho- I chose you today. You helped me choose you. I started my day off with you. Oh, and then in the middle of it all, I chose you again. You know, when things started to get a little intense, I chose you again. Yesterday, I I had this moment where I started to get like, I could feel myself getting worked up about something. And because I had already tuned in, because I had already been with him for the day, I was so sensitive to him. And he just simply said, Angie, come in out of that storm. And, and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, why am I here right now? <laughs> Do that. <laughs> this is where I belong. Like I'm not created for this storm. That's not that's a commoner thing to do. Like I am royalty and I am above this thing. Like when I'm with him, everything lesser gets crushed. And, and so if we can learn to tune into him in the morning and, and, and pay attention to him throughout the day, you'll, you'll just have moments of victory sprinkled throughout that you weren't anticipating that catch you off guard and surprise you. And, and it will be victory. You'll be able to lie in your bed at night and be like, this was awesome. Let's do it again tomorrow. And don't get uh, don't get caught in a routine with him either, you know. Like right. oh, wait, I have to be like this. I've got to pull my Bible out, and I've got to make sure that I have X amount of minutes in the Bible, oh, and, sure. and then I'm going to worship him for the next ten minutes. And, and like, don't fall into a routine even with him. Like, allow it to be a relationship where he is 
he is leading this dance and at any moment he can change up the routine and 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 be just set aside the time that's all i'm saying is like set aside the time to be with him to behold the lamb of god and maybe some days it's going to be one line in your bible that he just blows up for you other times you may be in your Bible for three hours straight and you still don't feel like it's enough. He's talking and he's teaching and, and it's just beautiful. So don't don't fall into um, a, a habitual routine with the Lord either because that stagnates and then you walk away from it because it's no good for either of you. Make it about a relationship with him. That's what we're talking about. To be a king and a priest is is to be in relationship with the one that holds all of your affections. I love Jesus. I feel compelled right now. Um, <laughs> this is this is kind of taking a little turn here, but. Um, we, I, I want to mention this because we talked about this the other day when it comes to salvation. Nobody said it's going to be sunshine and rainbows all the time. In these, these moments of gratitude that you are sharing with God over uh, overcoming these, these lesser demons that are whispering to keep you in habits that that keep you apart from the the purposes and intention that God has filled you with. Yeah. Uh, and you start to overcome those and you celebrate those things. You're going to start coming up against greater things. Mm-hmm. Eventually you're going to have points where you're coming up against powers and principalities, which are far more um, malicious in what it is they're going to bring against you. So just know that uh, it, it's it's going to, um, I don't want to say get worse. I, I, I don't want to give that impression either. But at the same time, like overcoming one thing is going to bring you to another opportunity to overcome the next thing. With him. Yeah. And uh, I just want to make sure that we don't leave that part out because uh, like what's been left out of the message of salvation where it's like, oh, I can just sit back. Here I am. I'm good. Right. That's not it. And so, yes, it is finished. Yes. Yes, it is finished. Yes, yes. he is the victorious one. And yes, you are the one who gets to put his victory on display. Yes. So good. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's so good to be us. It is. So it really us. is. And the thing is, is like when you know what he's called you to do when you are sure because you've spent the time with him because you've rubbed up against the lamb and you smell like him and you act like him, talk like him, think like him. You will know what to say yes to and what to say no to. You will know where you belong. You will know at whose feet to sit at because it's become clear. And, and, and I don't want to open up a whole new discussion, but I do want to make mention that, that, you know, we have made much about sonship over the, especially in our ministry, we've made a big deal about sonship, knowing who you are, knowing who you are in Christ, sonship. And then we've said it, it's something that you will never graduate from. 
He adds on, but you will always be a son or a daughter. And what I know that God is doing for us right now is he's wanting that to manifest on the earth. And so we're going to see discipleship take off like we probably have never seen it before. And I'm excited about this. And and I'm also like, oh my gosh, like, are we ready? Are we ready? Like, can we trust one another? (laughs) It's like, have you been with the lamb? Like, I don't want to be with you if you've not been with him. (laughs) But but we're going to see this where, um, and, and I think that it's going to come from hunger to where we aren't putting a demand on an individual. However, we are locating ourselves where we need to be in proximity to the person that we know God has assigned us to for a season. And, and, and that's got to be driven by hunger. And, and I'll always, because this is just burned in my mind, the, the relationship that Smith Wigglesworth had with Lester Summerall. And um, Smith didn't change anything about his life. He just let him know when it was that he was talking to the lamb. And Lester had an invitation. Come or don't. He didn't go out of his way to make deposits. He invited him to come and be a part of his union that was already in motion. And this is this is the evidence of kingdom that the world so desperately needs right now. Because we are every man for himself. And we will never understand what it means to be a living sacrifice if we cannot have that nature manifest on the earth. It has to, it has to. So we've got to ask ourselves, at whose feet am I called to serve at right now? Where is he requiring me to be? And, and, and the other thing is, is like, don't you dare attempt to disciple somebody else if you have not fallen at somebody else's feet to serve them. Don't, don't do it. You will make a mockery of what it is that God is releasing today. You must become a disciple first. You must serve first. We have to know what it means to be low. To serve somebody else, not based on what you can get, but what you can offer them. How can you come alongside and help them make much of Jesus? Topic for a different day, mm-hmm. but it fits. It does. That's good. There's just such a holiness right now. I love it when his holiness just enters into the room. It stills everything and it makes it all about him. And everything that we need is found there in that exchange of holiness. I don't know. What an invitation. What a grand invitation. We lay our lives down and gain everything.
And it's from that space that the world will take on form. Take on the form of the kingdom. It's our job to put holiness on display. Want to pray for us? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Just thank you for Jesus. For everything wow. that you are opening up for us. We thank you for for holiness. We thank you for, for, for the, the, the ability as sons and daughters to just come to you. To be able to sit at your feet anytime. Yeah. That we're invited to come and do so. Invited to, to come in out of the storm and stop thinking like commoners and start thinking as a royal priesthood. And then to take action as such. Father, we ask to just be those that are marked by holiness. Yeah. Marked by obedience to you. Marked by your discipline. Thank you that we get to be known as those that rejoice in all things. Regardless of how we perceive them, we can still rejoice and praise you. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name. Amen. Wow. Well, we're having a, um, a a Bible study slash prayer meeting tonight. If you're local, come. You're welcome. 6.15. You can send us a message for details. I'm not giving any more out. <laughs> must bring your Bible and must bring the presence of the Lord with you. <laughs> I know. All right. Love you guys so much and we'll talk soon.